Welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. The storytelling show that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to get asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. So yes, welcome to the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we shall begin. Off, as they say when they pull off the music. <laughs> and talking it's of pulling off, there, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and talking of pulling off the music, we have a real life vicar who obviously does hymns and everything in the clearing. You are the first vicar in my clearing. So I really? bid several welcomes to the right Reverend Olivia Coles. <laughs> I think that would make me an archbishop if I was right reverend. I haven't quite got to those dizzy heights yet. Are you just normal? So you've got, what's the title then, if you're not the right reverend, just the ordinary plain old just reverend? The plain old reverend. But usually just Olivia will do. That's fine. You don't have to do any bowing. Well, I have an in, a, a sort of implicit and in, endemic respect for you. You're a very old and not, not you're an old friend is what I'm trying to say. You're not old because I think I'm older <laughs> than you. But we go way, way, way back when we have history. We trained at the Central School of Screech and Trauma together in the we teaching did. degree. I was the year above you, I think you'll find. And I you showed, were. yes. Above and, me in so many ways, Chris. I still bow to your wonderful awesomeness. It, it, remember, this is my show, not yours. So, <laughs> so yes, you are. Uh, yes, and indeed, the, the, I, I met you on day one. I was the one that showed you around the college. So go yeah. go me. So it all you went downhill from there. <laughs> it, it did, but we're still here. And we're still smiling all these many years. Still so you are. The, I know you know who you are, but you're the priest at Whistled, Whittlesford in Cambridgeshire since November 2018. I went to the website today and there's a very exciting invitation. It says you can see the Vicar's presentation at the last annual meeting from October 20. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I mean, this is meant to be about creativity, isn't it? I mean, what more exciting thing would people want to watch than me doing the church AGM? And it's available as a PDF should anyone want to go and download it. It is. It's so exciting. I decided that I had to make a slideshow to make it a little bit more interesting. There you go. Appealing Lord, to visual as well as words. As we know, the Lord moves in many mysterious ways. Exactly. So I think of you as being like a sort of real life vicar of Dibley in that um, you have a wonderfully frenetic, chaotic life. In your biography within the Whittlesford uh, church uh, sphere, it says with your husband, Alistair Coles, who's actually a professor, I think you'll find in neuro, uh, bio, neuro, bio, no, neuro waterology, in neuro neurology is the word I couldn't think of. Thank you for rescuing me. But he's, he's got very, lots of letters in front of him and behind him and all of that ridiculous. But you enjoy walking with him when you can find a diary slot. Yes. Trying to get a diary slot together is impossible. He hates doing admin or diaries. So, yeah. And by the way, I, I have you indirectly to thank for moving to Bristol in that I came to visit you and your family in Bristol when we were all at the Central School of Speech and Drama together. I really liked Bristol. And I remember your lovely dad, Jeremy, uh, was a vicar too. And he very kindly also uh, bunged me a bit of cash when I went to the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. He was a very, very lovely man. 
Did he? Oh, I didn't know that. But I did know that um, we'd had an influence on you coming to Bristol because it's a very happening place and was even then, all them years ago. Indeed. Lush, in it. And in fact, you had your 21st, um, I remember, at the observatory and there's a shell grotto, isn't there? Yes. Very exciting. I, I did six jobs for that. Well, instead of actually uh, studying at the Central School of Speech and Trauma, I decided to do six part-time jobs just so that I could have a ball. And, and it was all, a ball, wasn't it? <laughs> it was indeed a ball and we all had a ball. Also, it's very exciting because you have a six foot eight man mountain of one of your two children, who is obviously Alex Coles, who is Northampton Saints Breakthrough Player of the Year, please. I know. I was so proud. I am the most embarrassing mother, though. He just kind of goes, oh, every time I go near, I get told off for what I'm wearing. I get told off for shouting too loudly. I get told off for being an embarrassment, usually because I don't understand what they're doing. And I do follow just about which end of the pitch they're playing. But other than that, it's a bit hit and miss. But I just keep yelling, go, my boy! Just yeah. follow the pip-shaped ball around. That'll keep it yeah. clear. At and least you, you can spot him on the pitch. That is one good thing. I mean, gosh, I met him when he was very small. Now he's significantly bigger. And I'm very happy to announce that I was nice to him back in the day because I wouldn't fancy my chances now being six foot eight. <laughs> you would not want to. I have to get on a ladder to give and him a hug. Yeah, practically. And I'm hardly petite, am I? Well, it, I was not, it's not about that. I thought you're not exactly short was what I was going to say because yeah. I remember you being, you know, a very similar height. Um, well, you're a majestic height in your own right. Majestic. Yeah, that's a very kind way of putting it. I, I'm of a majestic height. Yes. Yes. Mm. And I, These I days saw... I go that way as well now. Pish and tush, madam. Pish and tush. <laughs> so I, I'm going to uh, curate you, uh, Vicar. And by the way, more tea, Vicar? Or are you all right at this always, point? Always up for more tea. But these days I'm quite fussy. And I ask people to make it very strong because I've just got fed up of all sorts of strange cups of tea. So I'm quite fussy vicar now. And you've always wanted to be a vicar. I know that even back in the day, I remember the sort of happy chaos of your dad's vicarage in Golden Avenue in Bristol, where all waifs and strays at all times of day knock on the door. You have to open it. And in fact, one of the my most happy memories of you is that you moved into the same flat that we were all flat sharing and you made us do a float so we could all share food and be communal so we'd all pay a tenner which back in the day was quite a lot of money it so was. there'd be about 50 quid in the pot and then your christian friends would come around like a pack of locusts <laughs> and there'd just be nothing left and so we changed that system quite quickly <laughs> I knew you'd tell that story. It's, I think it's got exaggerated over the years, but I did used to bring a few people back for lunch that didn't have lunch and needed lunch. And needed they, were, they were very nice locusts, but it was indeed a plague of locusts that actually was. <laughs> basically stripped my Sunday roast bare and clean for my tenor. Absolutely. Which, which meant I then had to live on taramasalata and tomato sandwiches in pita bread for the rest of my life. Yes. Yes. Anyway, I'm sorry. I do digress, but I'm enjoying digressing. I googled you before we started, and it takes a while to get to you um, because yeah. you're supposed to be a time. <laughs> you're supposed to be a I'm time. I'm not important like all these other people you interview. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely lovely, and you're being gorgeous already. You're supposed to be a Times and Sunday Times video producer or a Bath employment solicitor. Really? Oh, those yeah. sound much more exciting. And I might swap identities. Do you reckon? Well, and it was trying to tell me about Olivia Col Coleman more than it was trying to tell me about you. But I found you on the yeah. Littlesford 
church site where that I have to come full circle. That very uh, profound sounding presentation at your last annual meeting, October 20, is still a day available to download. <laughs> we never say that we're not up to date yes. on the wall. Yeah. Also, if I may give you a compliment, you're a bit of an, an Amelia Fox lookalikey. Am I? Yes. <laughs> I'm not I sure Amelia Fox would be very um, impressed by that. She no, might sure be, she'd be very chuffed and flattered. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to curate you now through the lovely journey of the storytelling metaphors of the Good Listening To show. There's a clearing, a tree, a lovely exercise called 54321. How'd you like them story apples? There's a couple of random squirrels, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So there's absolutely all to play for. So let's get you on the open road. Um, so first of all, Olivia Coles, Reverend Olivia Coles, and that is the full title, isn't it? It's not right. Reverend. That is the full title. Yes. Re Reverend uh, Olivia Coles. What is, where is a clearing for you, either literally or metaphorically? Uh, well, that's, that's a very tough one. I mean, we're down in Cornwall having a holiday. So I would love to say, I mean, anywhere in Cornwall that isn't with all the tourists and being stuck on the uh, narrow roads, but um usually anywhere that's a clearing is kind of when I'm on retreat and just in a space where I can be away from everything and switch off phone and emails but um thinking about it I think probably for me my clearing is a internal metaphorical one which uh, I would describe as spiritual so you said I could be deep in this and I can't really talk without talking about my faith so for me, my clearing is always um, a metaphorical walled garden, the most beautiful walled garden with amazing trees and plants. It's always a warm kind of spring turning into summer day with a beautiful stream and there's a hammock. And it's my place where I kind of go and meet God, where I'm in, in relationship with God. And I just kind of go and I'm just like, and it's the place where I can be most myself and dump all my messiness and the mess I make of things and yeah and just come and 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 completely just breathe and be so my clearing is a metaphorical one I'd say and I'm hearing in that a metaphorical garden of Eden of your choice basically yeah I think so I mean I've had lots of counselling in the past which I'm thoroughly um approving of my mum was a counsellor of people who uh, had very severe trauma so she was permanently counselling me every time I talked to her but um, it was kind of an image that came out of that that would be a place where I could just go and so when things when I'm feeling a bit anxious um, I do struggle with that and I think even more so people are struggling with anxiety post-covid with our mental health I mean it's just huge isn't it and I get overwhelmed quite a lot and um, even though I have faith and all of that so it's a place where I can just go and just kind of breathe and um, recharge the batteries of it internally yeah lovely answer so if I may I'm going to arrive and interrupt your calm and quiet within your clearing with a tree now Mm -hmm. so I'm going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out in your walled garden with your hammock. And again, sorry to disturb you on your hammock, Vicar, but I do have a cup of tea and a rock cake for you. <laughs> um, so now we're going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. So this is where you've taken five minutes or as long as you've needed to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you. 
two things that never fail to grab your attention and borrow from the film up. That's where the two random squirrels come in a bit. Oh, squirrels. What never fails to grab your attention, irrespective of whatever else is going on for you. And then finally, a quirky or unusual fact about you, the Reverend Coles, that we couldn't possibly know about you until you tell us. So over to you to shake your tree. Oh, yeah. Tough, isn't it? All this. But good questions. I like this. Do you want me to just talk? Yes, I can either feed you it piecemeal or you can just go into the canopy of your trees and oh. so I don't interrupt you. It's quite nice that it's a peaceful walled garden for you. Okay. So it, as you sway beautifully, sorry, blissfully in your hammock. Just I'm swaying in my hammock. Um, so things that have shaped me. Um, that's a really good question because it's not always uh, necessarily positive things. It's life in a way, isn't it? But I can't start without saying faith. Um, and when I say faith, um, for me, my Christianity is not about following a set of laws or religious um, things. It's about a relationship for me and um, a relationship with the God who knows me and loves me unconditionally uh, now and eternally. And uh, the God where I can be fully known and just fully myself. And uh, I'm very much work in progress. And so I, as you've said I was brought up in a Christian home so I had it from the word go um, and I think my my kind of journey with um, having a relationship with God myself rather than it just being a lovely way of life that I grew up with something that was you know loving others living in community uh, family cultural background to being something that has become fundamental to who I am and fundamental to the way I live and my purpose in life and how I see life and approach life, I suppose. So that's first and fundamental to everything, even though, as I say, I'm very much work in progress and <laughs> get it wrong so much of the time. But uh, yeah, knowing, knowing that God loves me and that I'm loved, it shapes everything. Um, secondly, family. Um, I think relationships are everything. I'm a person about relationships and emotions. And so obviously my family and my background shaped me, the way I was brought up, the way um, my kind of wider family, I've got huge cousins come from a big sort of farming family on my mum's side. And I love my cousins and I love, you know, I think, I think that's one of the things um, family has done for me I love mixing with people um, who you wouldn't necessarily know or be friends with but uh, family um, I come from a very different family background to Alistair his family he comes from a sort of diplomatic traveling family background um, kind of boarding school very academic um, so I've learned a lot through um different families and the way we react you know how we are in our families and how we've become family ourselves and um you talked about my amazing son who I'm so proud of but um we have two lovely kids and uh one of the journeys has been we took a long time to have kids so we took eight years and um I always thought I was going to have four kids and live in this wonderful big farmhouse with an arbor and be the most amazing mum and have painting and creativity. Discovered I was <laughs> could do about three minutes of that. No painting whatsoever. Uh, so when our kids finally came after two, that was quite enough for my mental health, I think, and the poor kids. So um, and I couldn't have more different kids. And 
they're not at all interested in God or Christianity. They love arguing with me about that, but they shape me in the way that they look at life and challenge me. So they're constantly challenging me, uh, which is a pain at times. And I just want to have an ordinary family dinner and talk about, you know, what we're doing tomorrow. But um, so we have a lot of discussions. Um, and, and by the way, I have to say that Karna, your daughter, does write the most witty Christmas <laughs> round robin uh, sort of publications of what the, the, the mad family coals have been up to. And uh, they are genuinely a sort of rich delight of wit. <laughs> We don't take ourselves very seriously, do we? I mean, I know people hate those round robins, but no, no, no. We, I I look forward to them. I do. <laughs> I think many many people look for. So uh, yes, yeah, so Alex is playing professional rugby, and that was a big choice for him. And then Karna is doing social work, and I love it that they're so different, and they uh, they spar off each other and um, challenge each other. So I so those they shape me a lot. Um, and Karna's six foot nine, isn't she? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, she's, she's taller than me as well. I am definitely the smallest in the family now, which is amazing. But yeah, so my daughter's just finished um, doing a, a placement for um, uh, domestic abuse, you know, really tough stuff. And I'm just so proud of how she's um, loving that and using her what I would say, God-given talents and gifts. So I love watching them and they shape me and they continually pull me down. And uh... <laughs> and you, you mentioned the sense of community and family, obviously as the church community and family. And I know that you've said in the biography about you at the church, it talks about your particular interest in multi-generational faith. Yeah. So this sense of you being very um, adept from an early age at meeting people of all generations all the time because of your exposure to it, because of what your dad was doing as well. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why I am a vicar and a Christian, because I love community. I think we're designed to be in community. And I think, you know, whatever people say about churches, um, and I really hope that they're not just like a little cosy club, like a golf club, but that we are people of uh, every walk of life, of every uh, social uh, strata, of every age. And I think we offer that. Um, and I love that because I think that's how we're designed to be, to be intergenerational, intercultural, inter, you know, welcoming everyone. And I really hope that that's what we are in our church. And I love that with growing up. I mean, as you say, I'd, I'd come home from uh, from London and never knew who would be sleeping in my bed because mum would say, oh, we've got so-and-so who's just, um, he's just staying from Uganda for three weeks. That's okay. You'll be all right on the sofa, won't you? Or <laughs> I'd walk in the kitchen and there'd be a whole strange load of people cooking meals. Uh, and then the, you know, the bishop would come and I'd be sent in to make, you know, and then we'd have uh, Reg, the gentleman of the road, as we called him, who would uh, appear for his his kind of monthly bath. And we'd have to spray, uh, spray fly spray around the house for about a week <laughs> afterwards and the rim of dirt around the bath. But Reg was hilarious. And we'd make him sandwiches and, you know. But then Reg could have been Hugh Bonneville because there's Mr. Stink, isn't there? And that could have yeah. been... <laughs> We loved Reg. He was such a character. He he never could quite live in a flat. We tried to uh, find him flats, but he'd always prefer to go back to his caravan and his 37 cats. And uh, so you just never knew who'd come to the door. And I love that. And I think that's um, I think that's why I love people and I love people of every age and, uh, you know, walk of life. And um, and I think that's the joy of my job, actually. It gives me an excuse to meet people from all walks of life and of every age. So, yeah, so that shaped me, family background. And um, 
one of my favourite memories is having Christmas lunch with the most eclectic group. Growing up in Bristol, you know, we had actors, creative people, artists, people from um, the most deprived backgrounds to really wealthy, you know, such a wonderful eclectic mix, or having Christmas lunch together with Reg all uh, spruced up in his new shirt. So uh, yeah, that's shaped me. And I think the other thing that shaped me is um, different cultures, learning from other people. Um, I was brought up in Zambia, Till I was um, about six, nearly seven, and I spent a year in Peru. And I think those two experiences of seeing other cultures, seeing, learning other languages, seeing how people live. Um, I mean, one of the things about Africa is hospitality and welcome. And, you know, whoever you are, you're invited in for food. Um, I experienced it in Peru people living in the most utmost poverty who literally killed the family goat because I had come to stay and that goat was their one and only um, was their livelihood in a way. And just that extraordinary generosity, um, you know, has really shaped me and how I want to live my life and be welcoming and inclusive. Um, you know, and the same with, uh, we're hoping to get a family from the Ukraine coming next week. So, you know, it's going to be interesting and hard, but again, that sense of wanting to welcome and include others. So I think living abroad uh, opens your eyes to other cultures and the way others live. Not always easy, um, but that shaped me. And then I would say the fourth thing is, I suppose, I've never had a job. I think you could say it's a portfolio of uh, different <laughs> <laughs> careers uh mostly non-paid so I'm very blessed that I have a husband who mostly keeps me in the uh, manner to which I'd like to become accustomed um <laughs> but all my jobs are mostly kind of non-paid or uh but I've just loved you know when I was 45 I was working as a preschool person just before I started training and um, cleaning toilets on a Friday the little toddler and I thought I've really made it here I'm like <laughs> five cleaning toilet although there but, is such a mainstay of generosity as the sort of golden thread and the through line through what you're describing so well I don't been, know you've I been just, in service of others is what I'm hearing well I know I think I I love working I love working hard I've not been very good on the career ladder um, never had managed a career, never managed it in teaching. I think it was always the supply teacher at the bottom of the pile. Um, but I do think that everything I have done, you know, I look back and think, gosh, you know, I've hardly achieved anything. But I love it that with God, nothing is wasted. And that God, I have this picture of this big tapestry and God weaves every experience, you know, good or bad, the mess we make uh, into this extraordinary, beautiful picture. And I think I wouldn't be where I am and doing the job I'm doing or would be able to do it as well without all of the kind of work experiences I've had. So, so there's, an, there's an implicit trusting the process in that faith, then, if you just assume the tapestry is being weaved for you on the path of where you're going. I think so. I think I think God gives us brain and uh, a brain and uh, wants us to use that. And we're given choices always, aren't we? And we can choose uh, better paths maybe sometimes and sometimes we just can't see which is the best path but I do believe that with God even when we may take a wrong path or just totally mess up or fail or you know that all of that is part of life's rich tapestry and sometimes the suffering or the hurt or the wrong turns can be the most 
Um, and you see that in other people's stories, don't you? Those can be the dramatic things that shape them and transform them and move them forward and bring new empathy. So I love that that nothing is wasted. I, I think from my faith point of view, I believe that. And there's a lovely idea that out of adversity often comes the great change or the great progress. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you want inspiring things? Yes, if there's any overlap, because this is lovely, by the way, this is very juicy indeed, um, on, on <laughs> Olivia Kills's apples. So three <laughs> things that inspire you now. Um, well, there is quite a lot of overlap in that, I suppose. But I, I've put number one, I think, would be my dad. Um, who died just over a year ago. Um, and it's extraordinary because I do a lot of funerals and I talk a lot about, um, you know, the hope of eternal life. I believe that there is life after death, that there is death is awful and final, but there is something. And um, I have just felt it was extraordinary. I taught, have taught that talk all the time that I did funerals and have never lost anyone that close to me until dad died. He had Parkinson's, I think, uh, was quite poorly at the end. Um, so actually it was a relief for him. But I just feel this huge sense of joy that dad is somewhere, uh, that he's gone home to be with the Lord and he, you know, almost dancing in heaven. So I haven't had the the kind of, I mean, there are times and I really miss him, but I, I look back and think actually his faith inspired me and the way that he, I think his humility actually, I mean, he could be very difficult as dads can be and embarrassing. You know, I used to make him put a scarf on when I was mostly, most of my life, put a scarf on, cover up that dog collar and don't be embarrassing. And I'd stand at the back of church doing this when his sermons went on and on and on. And (laughs) But um, I did love my dad and I loved the way that he always treated everybody the same, whoever they were, whether it was the bishop or um, the the little old ladies who would come and bring him cakes because they'd feel sorry for him because he'd be wearing his apron at the door. Um, so I think my dad inspired me and I think his humility actually and his just quiet, solid faith that saw him through life right to the end. Um, when I saw you about three weeks ago, I, I do remember we had a conversation about how at peace you were with the, the real deep sadness of his passing he was a very memorable beautiful human being but you're very at peace with it because you trust yeah and i think that's faith i mean i just literally can and i've had lots of conversations with mum who feels the same and i mean i think she's an inspiration as well actually because she says you know i I was able to have nearly 60 wonderful years and i can look back and be bitter he's gone or just be thankful for the blessing that i had and that she still feels his love and presence in a sense uh, that he's very much left his legacy of love for us all. And, uh, you know, he's relieved from the body that he had and is, has gone to be uh, live with the Lord in eternal life in, you know, 3d Technicolor. So I I think because of my faith, it has definitely, you know, instead of, believing that it just felt really real actually so it's been wonderful and in memory we live on and i know he was called jeremy collingwood and i i certainly will never forget him so I, oh, I, well, he was hello christopher <laughs> and he oh, wasn't quite tall so it was a bit yeah. looking down he always spoke in that same way very embarrassing <laughs> but he was lovely so that was my first um secondly 
uh, and obviously being a very loyal wife here, having been married just about 31 years, same as you. Um, you got married 10 weeks before me. Yeah, so didn't we? It was a did. special year, very special. And I think you have the bestest wife and uh, who puts up with you, who's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I love her to bits. Um, but my hubby, who I also do find difficult at times because he doesn't think or act like me which of course he should do but he's an inspiration in that he is so different from me um he's very academic and um loves his work but I think for me the role model that he's been as a dad and the way he loves working with his colleagues and team uh, and his principles that he really sticks to his principles and he's not frightened to go out on a limb so that's always been inspiring for me and he's and that, a professor at the University of Cambridge isn't he yeah 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 and I just um I I just in, inspired by the way that he lives his life and has not um obviously he's a doctor and you know well paid but he he is more about the principles and um, wanting to make a difference in medicine and change people's lives. And, in, and indeed he has, because it's multiple sclerosis, not Parkinson's, that is his domain, isn't it? And yeah. Some, yeah. I know there was a, a medication breakthrough that he pioneered or helped to pioneer. Yeah, it took 24 years of drug trial. Um, but, you know, that was exciting. And he's uh, he's been involved with several drug trials which have made a difference, I think, for people. So and he just loves that and is excited by that. So that's been inspirational for me that um, he is also ordained. He wears a collar as well sometimes. So, uh, you know, I, I love the way that he brings uh, he sits on lots of committees and ethics committees and he has to really grapple with things which are way too deep for me. But I'm inspired by the way that he thinks through things and faith you know sometimes he's quite shocking but um yeah he he has been inspirational and just the way he is with our kids is wonderful the way he allows them to just be who they are you know I'd much more want to make them kind of you know how I'd like them to behave but he's much 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 better at just letting them be um, that's a lovely shout out for Professor Alistair Cole. Yes, a bless him. He does have many qualities that are also annoying. Of I course. I won't go on those because we're being positive today, aren't we? Not everyone can be perfect like you and me, Olivia. <laughs> 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 um, and then the third thing that inspires me, I think, is I love stories. Um, obviously, this is about storytelling, isn't it? But for me, from a Christian point of view, I love stories of where I've seen God at work in people's lives and they've been transformed or changed um, and I love seeing how people's God-given talents people becoming who they're designed and created to be using their God-given gifts because I really believe we are all uniquely and wonderfully made and that we all have amazing uh, a gift and talent that we've been given. And I love seeing people use that. So those sort of two things combined. So I suppose the first would be, say, my daughter and my son, both becoming, you know, using those gifts that they've been given, sporting gifts, and, um, and my daughter with her compassion in her work. Um, and then I had a godmother who lived in China and um, was interred in a prisoner of war camp along with Eric Liddell of chariots of hall fame Char not chariots of hall chariots of fire fame and she rescued all these children um a bit like Gla the story of gladys airwood which is quite a well-known story and took these chinese orphans across a mountain and um 
and save them basically and she was my godmother I only met her a few times but she prayed for me every single day and I think um, I'm inspired by her story of what she did for others put others first and her life and I'm inspired by that power of prayer really um, so I just love stories where I see God at work and and even just simple things in people's lives where you just see how God uses their gifts or turns things around or transforms them and they and and seeing people become fully who they are fully living life to the full excites me and inspires me lovely Vicar another cup of tea at this point oh, definitely. and are we nearly at cake point because it's definitely nearly cake. we're getting there um, okay, okay. there is that joke of more tea Vicar no but I'll have another one of those rock cakes those are the buggers that made me fart is <laughs> the not that you ever said that it's just a joke no, I no. don't remember obviously you never say that no so far that I'm fortunate that that hasn't been too much the case when I'm drinking tea with people and I can imagine you being very vicar of Dibley-esque and going around for about eight Christmas dinners because oh, you can't say no. Yes, I know. It's a nightmare trying to lose weight because everyone who offers me cake, it's rude not to, isn't it? It of would just course. be unkind. And I'm known, because I can't bake at all, my baking is absolutely rubbish, um, I'm known for going around and scooping up all the leftover cakes, sticking ah, them in my freezer. I and then had, come. I I had that. Like, I enjoyed it I had a smorgasbord of exactly that nature when we came to see you in, about three weeks ago. Yes. Very homemade cake, which I haven't made, but I've just scooped off everyone else. I go around all the fairs buying them all. Use it. I, th I think it's using other people's gifts and talents, isn't it? And you, you've only had the one goat sacrificed for, for dinner for you, haven't you? Yeah. And yeah. a few hamsters when I was in Peru. served. You on had a few place. hamsters, really? Mm. A sacrificial hamster. Cool, yeah, that, that was tough eating those because they'd been crawling around under the bed the night before. But again, that was a sacrifice from another family. So anyone listening has got any pets out there? You just, she doesn't require that, just to be clear. <laughs> they are. Cup of tea is fine, but very strong, please. And no sugar. Yeah. Certainly, Vicar. So I think we're now at the uh, quirky or unusual fict about you, Olivia Coles. We well, couldn't hold on. tell squirrels. us. You want squirrels? Those, those were the two things we couldn't possibly know about, unless you've got a new answer for squirrels. Uh, or grab my attention. Do you want things? Two th oh, I thought we'd just done. No, uh, you're right. Sorry, it's my programme, but you know what we're doing. Thank you. What are your squirrels? The two things that never failed to grab your attention. I got I lost because we're about hamsters and goats. Sorry. <laughs> I want to cover every aspect. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, Gracie, my doggy, got a new doggy, and I just love the way that unconditional love um, that she bounds up and is so pleased to see you. But also just taking her for a walk and seeing her just she loves running across the fields, going wild or bouncing into the sea. So I love that. That just never fails to grab my attention. There you go. Uh, and because I'm in Cornwall, I feel like I have to do a shout out to Cornwall. I just, I, I, th I don't think you can ever tire of looking at the sea, can you? And the, we've been on all these coastal paths. And the, just the, it's like God's paint box is just, wow. Just looking at the different colours of the sea and the wildflowers and the, the green grass, a bit cliche, but it is just. And know, I like that expression, God's paint box. I like you. I like that too. God's awesome. Yeah. There you go. So um, you can be very strict if I'm cocking up the structure, but now it's the quirky or unusual fact about you, Reverend Coles. We couldn't know about you until you tell us. I, I don't really know anything very exciting. Would um, I sat in a bath of porridge? 
the 24 hours count as a student. In fact, you probably were there. I were you raising money for charity or just sitting yeah. randomly in a... No, I sat. I don't suspect many of the Central School of Speech and Drama students. They may have all become very famous, but none of them sat in a bath of porridge on the front steps, have they? So They, they haven't. I bet even Judy Dench or French and Saunders had, didn't do that. So there yes, you go. You did. I sat, yeah, yes. for a whole day, and I turned into a very prune-like person. Yes. Thank you for that unusual fact. We've shaken your tree. Now we're going to move away from the tree. It's not quite cake. That's coming. Uh, more cake, Vicar. Uh, but now we're going to talk about alchemy and gold. And you're giving this by the bucket load in any case. But when you're at purpose and in flow, Reverend Olivia Coles, what are you most happy doing? Well, it does seem a bit pathetic to say I really wanted to become a vicar because I love drinking cups of tea with people. I mean, that is a bit embarrassing to admit, isn't it? But I do. I, I just love, I love listening to people's stories. I love people's life, you know, and you sit with 90 year old people who are kind of at the end of their life. And yet when they start telling you some of their story and things they've been through, it's just extraordinary. Uh, and it seems weird to say, but being with people um, at, at the real kind of crunch times of their life. So, you know, when they bring a new baby for a christening, it's just a joy to do that or a wedding. It's one of my favourite, you know, I get to see the bride in all her dress. And I love weddings. I love a good party, dressing up. Uh, so to be with a couple at their most happy, joyful time and seeing it is just such a privilege but I think the biggest privilege is walking with people at the hardest time so being with people at the end of their life is just a privilege that is amazing and extraordinary and also a grieving family um, is just it's the hardest thing in a way because there is nothing that you can say and and words uh, so useless, but but being a presence and just being someone who can hold mm. the hurt and the pain and and the grief um, for me is I think when I just think wow this is the most amazing extraordinary job I can have. There's so much that is frustrating and much that I would love to dynamite in the Church of England. Don't tell the Church of England that. Um, but being with people and being with people when they're at their most real or when they're hurting and walking alongside them is, I think, when I just feel, wow, this is amazing to just be a tiny, if I can just be the tiniest drop or glimmer of hope and light of God's hope and light to people. And that's a lovely, perfect segue into what the cake is all about, because we're ramping up to the seven ages of man and how you'd most like to be remembered through legacy. And you're talking about all the seven ages there and what you've just described and how you help people multi-generationally. So I'm going to award you with a cake now and we're going to get to legacy and a bit of Shakespeare. But it's a multi-layered cake. You're a vicar. You have lots of cake. What's your favourite cake, please, vicar? Oh, I do like a good stodgy, moist one. I love a carrot cake. Um, and my daughter's just had her 21st and she loves a hummingbird cake, which is full of fruit. So, yeah. Or just checking you don't have to sacrifice any hummingbirds for that no, one. No, 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 no. It's just every bit of fruit and a good fruit cake, really moist fruit cake. Yes. Basically cake. Any yes, cake. 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 So we've got a bit of a hummingbird fruity cake 
carrot hybrid going on here. Just <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you get to put a cherry on the cake and here's some strong tea for you whilst you finally cogitate. Would you please tell me a favourite inspirational quote that's given you sucker and pulled you towards your future? Right. Uh, shall I go? Or, yes, I'm just giving you the multi-layer. Uh, you could, okay. I, I was trying something and you could have gone then, that's fine. Um, you haven't missed the point. Then it's what notes, help or advice might you offer to a younger version of yourself? And, 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 what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And then finally, 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 inspired by Shakespeare and the seven ages of man and all the world's stage and all the men and women merely players, you can tell us about legacy, Olivia Coles, Reverend, and how you'd most like to be remembered. <laughs> oh, only a small little thing to do then. Um, it's, it does seem a very odd quote and perhaps a bit um, obvious, but I think I love the quote, just let go and let God, because I like being in control. Um, I like being anxious. I could easily spend my day worrying about everything and being grumpy. I can be a bit of an Eeyore. And I think the kind of let go and let God, I'm just learning every day that actually God's got the bigger picture and God knows best, or that's what I believe. And when I do let go and let God, instead of holding on and gripping myself, um, amazingly things tend to go a bit better, really, or... <laughs> I have that piece a bit more. Um, so, I love that. Just let go and let God. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, and I think advice, best piece of advice, uh, or, or what I would advise my younger self, I think, um, is I think I've been a, I, I obviously love people, but I am, have been a people pleaser. And that's not a bad thing, but I think sometimes um, I would say to my younger self, find your identity is in God and not in others or pleasing others. Because I think so much, especially in society, which, you know, there's the constant quest to find who we are and find ourselves. Um, but that's usually in the context of um, a, a success or have we reached this, you know, monetary achievement? Have we, you know, been on the world stage or whatever it is? Mm. Um, and I think actually that just finding who we are in God, who we're designed and created to be, and that it's not about pleasing others, that it's so, about. So you you're, you would counsel against seeking validation from others, be yourself. Because everyone yeah, I mean, obviously, friends really matter. And what others say, of course, really matters. And that shapes and inspires us. But I think, for me, I would say, and to others, that if we can find our identity in God first, then that, that gives you your purpose and your foundation in order to be shaped by others To um, Yeah. Um, and then a quote. Um, am I allowed a Bible quote? I'm sorry if I'm sounding very, very holy, but obviously, it you know, with my faith being fundamental to who I am, I believe that God is a God who is um, with us. So Emmanuel, which is God coming to be with us, you know, the birth of Christ is God coming to be with us because of wanting to be in relationship with us. And so I love that idea that God is with us. We're not promised an easy life. We're not promised um, a life without um, difficulty, but we're promised that God is with us. And so there's a verse from Isaiah which says, don't be afraid. Um, I have called you by name. You are mine. 
and we know that names and who we are are so important and it goes something like when you pass through the deep waters I'll be with you Uh, your troubles will not overwhelm you um, because you are precious to me and because I love you and give you honor and so I think that's my kind of life mantra that you know life doesn't go as we want it to always um, but that God is with me from the beginning to the end and into eternity really so that's my deep bit for today which brings us effortlessly seamlessly parking up at a bit of William Shakespeare now Uh, you don't have to do any Shakespeare but when all is said and done legacy seven ages of man how and woman how would you most like Olivia Coles right reverend but just reverend to be remembered please Uh, Well, I think most people are going to remember me for being disorganised, very Vicar of Dibley, although mostly Alice rather than the Vicar of Dibley uh, I've been compared to. Um, I I often think it's going to say on my gravestone, uh, she tried, she meant well, (laughs) Um, she was late. But I would, a legacy does sound a bit like, oh, I've done amazing things. I think if if there was a legacy, I would love others to remember that it's not what we do or achieve, um, but that we know that we've been loved and have known love. Um, At the end of our lives, it's not, you know, I always feel this with funerals, it's not what we've done or achieved or how amazing or important we are or how many books we've written or, you know, but actually it's at the end, what people care about is the relationships they've had and, um, so I would want to um, have a legacy to, to encourage others. I think there's not enough um, encouragers in our world, people who cheer us on and say, yes, you are just who you are and you're brilliant and you've been made and designed as you are and you are loved and known. So I would want to be remembered that we encourage one another, that we love one another and that we that actually it's all about the relationships that we have that matter. So that would be the legacy I'd love to leave for everybody. Wonderful. And where can we find out more about you if we'd like to on the interweb? Obviously, there's that very, very scintillating invitation to download your meeting uh, minutes from <laughs> the PDF. <laughs> but where can we find out more about you? I, I don't think people would want to find out more about me. Um, Yes, I'm very happy to be hidden in the interweb and much more exciting to read about Olivia Coleman. So (laughs) get the spelling wrong and read about her because you'd have masses of exciting things to read about her. But I'm I'm on to the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School and the Central School of Screech and Trauma alumni to try and see if I can interview some of them for the podcast. How exciting. Yes, they would be fab, wouldn't they? I mean, now they're real people to interview. Yes. And you indeed are a real, wonderful, gorgeous, lovely (laughs) person to interview as well. So final question, as this has been your moment in the good listening to clearing in the sunshine of same in your lovely clearing of the garden of eden sort of walled garden with a hammock is there anything else you'd like to say reverend olivia coles uh, i would just like to say what a privilege it has been to do this and also uh what a great thing it is to have friends and you've been one of my special friends chris so thanks for being a great friend because you've helped shape life too for me as well so just remember that you are known and loved by God. Olivia, thank you so much. Um, Drop the mic and do you want to say anything else? No, that's it. And good night. (laughs) You've been listening to the Good Listening To show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. 
If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye. Hello, Reverend Olivia Coles. We've just given you a good listening to in the Good Listening To Show Clearing. Can I just ask for your immediate feedback? What did you think about it? What was the journey and the process of it, of it like for you? Um, well, I think it's lovely just chatting to you. It's always been so easy. I just love chatting with you. Um, I think it's great to think through those things. People who've shaped you or what shaped you, uh, those who've inspired you. Yeah, I love that. And also you had cake. You can't go wrong. Lovely. Uh, thank you very much for being a gorgeous guest. You've been lovely. And uh, right back at you, you're one of my best, best friends. And I love you for that. And good night. <laughs>